0: Around Comics, episode 69. <laughs>
1: Comics, a roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neisman, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime and the co-host of the show, Brian Salazar.
0: Hello, everyone.
1: And next is our other co-host, our good buddy, Mr. Tom Caters.
2: It's Halloween in January. Ooh.
1: And our guest this week is comic veteran, Mr. Hilary Barta.
3: Yeah, they brought in the Crypt Keeper
1: for Halloween. <laughs> i
4: veteran. I'm a country. In, yeah, <laughs> in country. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I did it that. I
3: country. did that gag once, in what? That guy was a, a Vietnam vet, and he actually was a veterinarian in Vietnam. But anyway, <laughs> <A> <laughs> Vietnam vet. Vet. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, all the
1: all the boo-ha-ha stuff is because this is one of our Comics One Hundred and One episodes. Uh, today, we're going to be going over entertain entertaining comics education.
0: Well, it was originally education.
1: We'll get to all now, that. Bro. It is EC Comics 101, but uh, before we get to that, I want to let you know that this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by InStockTrades.com.
2: Make InStockTrades.com your source for all of the EC archives. InStockTrades will have each archive available and ready to ship the same day they are released. Don't let this chance to collect some of the most influential comics in history pass you by. At 30% off retail price, InStockTrades.com makes the EC archives an affordable addition to any collection. While you're picking up the latest AEC archive, don't forget to check out InStockTrade's amazing selection of trade paperbacks, deluxe hardcovers, essentials, showcases, absolute editions, omnibus editions, and more, at, all at great discounted prices. All orders are $50 ship-free, InStockTrades.com. Thank
1: you, InStockTrades.com. We'd like to let everyone know that Around Comics is recorded every Friday at 7 o'clock at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles. Located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop by. We would love to meet you. We actually have several people that drop by this evening. Uh, it's good to see everyone here. So, Make some waving. Noise, people. <laughs> All <right. laughs> waving. When you're here, yes, they, they, they won't see you wave. Um, when you're here, remember to ask about Dark Tower's Pollist membership. It is truly one of the best you will find anywhere? Dark Tower has a great selection of mainstream comics, independent comics, trade paperbacks as well as statues and action figures. Come to Dark Tower for all of your comics and collectibles needs. All right guys, this is as we said a couple minutes ago, one of our comics 101 segments. Uh, mm-hmm. we did GI Joe a couple months that back. That was our
0: first, yes. And that was first. Uh, and we've been planning know. on doing yeah, our only <laughs>
1: No, yeah, we've we've been planning to do this one since about Halloween, but the, the timing just wasn't right. <laughs>
0: yeah, because it made no sense to do it around Halloween. It makes so much more sense to do it, to do in it in in the yeah. second week of January. But uh, this is anyway. such a
3: 2007 topic. <laughs> is what we thought. <laughs> well, those horror titles will send a chill up your spine. Oh, <laughs> oh way to tie it That's in. why we bring Hillary. <laughs> around. Oh man, yes, to Punch send a script. chill
2: <laughs> up your spine.
1: <laughs> so, um, Sal, you yes. are the presenter for this episode. Uh, uh, yeah. So. Tell so. us, uh, ed- 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 edutain us about <laughs> EC Comics. <laughs> <laughs> Education. Well, edutain- uh, t-
0: uh, EC Comics originally was called Educational Comics, and Max Gaines, the founder of EC Comics, is often credited with being the father of modern comic books. In 1933, Max had the bright idea of selling reprints of Sunday Color comic strips. When he created Famous Funnies, the first four color saddle stitch newsprint pamphlet, he invented the standard comic book format we know today. While Famous Funnies was able to bring Max a few bucks, before long he started looking around for a new source of material. In 1938, Max received a draft of an original comic book strip. The strip, crudely drawn by two teenage boys named Jerry Schuster and Jerome Siegel, wasn't really up to the quality of the Sunday Funnies, but it had a kind of raw compelling fascination, and at least it was original. So Max decided to print this comic called Superman. (gasps) This was the creation of the first original material comic book and games prospered when Superman and other comic book creations went up, up, and away in sales. In 1945, Max sold most of his comics properties Including the Flash, Green Lantern And the Justice Society of America To DC Comics Retaining only two Picture stories from the Bible And picture stories from world history Those enormous <laughs> time Movie sellers, franchises yes, Also known as <laughs> one of
3: the best business decisions <laughs> ever. ever I can't mm-hmm. wait to
0: see the new
2: picture stories from the Bible movie <laughs> <laughs> so Of
3: course, those were completely original too He wrote the, the Bible, right? Yes Well, Max, Max was, it, was old It was in
1: public domain at that point
0: Let's not get into that. Anyway. (laughs) not hypocritical. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. Let's continue. In 1946, he used those titles as the foundation of a new publishing venture, Educational Comics, EC for short, and ran a line of illustrated Bible and American history stories. Unfortunately, tragedy struck in the summer of 1947. On August 20th, Max Gaines died in what is reported as a boating accident, although some sources state that Gaines sacrificed himself to save a small, drowning boy. The company was inherited by his 25-year-old son, William M. Gaines. William Gaines had little interest in his father's business. Comics, I hated him, he wrote in the 1954 piece. Never touched the stuff. I wanted to be a chemistry teacher. Now he was stuck with a line of pious comics and a pre-CCA code of comic book conduct that was drawn up by his father's editor, Sheldon Mayer. At first, William only showed up at the office to issue paychecks. Eventually, though, he resigned himself to the fate of comic book publisher and decided to get to work. He secularized his titles, gradually retiring the Bible stories in favor of genres that were selling to young, young post-war <laughs> consumers. In 1948, he hired 22-year-old Albert Feldstein. Feldstein was every boss's favorite employee, a hardworking idea man with inexhaustible energy and a nose for the market. Within a few years, the funny animals and the educational books were completely phased out as EC introduced magazines devoted to romance, space adventures, detective stories, and the Old West. The lineup included such titles as Saddle Justice, Crime Patrol, and Moon Girl. Mm -hmm. Then, perhaps noticing the uh, advent of a few horror titles, Eerie was the first in 1947, they introduced horror elements into their Crime Patrol and War on Crime titles. On the cover of the penultimate issue of Crime Patrol, Gaines and Feldstein introduced a particular story as From the Crypt of Terror. They were surprised to find that this issue sold better than any issue before it. On the next cover, there was a conscious effort to promote the horror theme, and that book sold better than the previous issue. They had found what they were looking for. I
2: like the idea of like going into a crypt and finding like a story in that. <laughs> this is from the crypto
3: horror. <laughs> it's too bad they couldn't have done the horror thing earlier, then they could have had picture horror stories from the Bible. That would picture have been cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jesus was well, the first zombie. Oh, you know, yeah, no kidding. Well, raised from the well, dead. Uh, you There's know, of but, violence, destruction, and awful things happen in the Bible.
1: But from you know, from a, a serious point, if if you look <clears> back <throat> at the beginning of of EC and think how different the comics landscape would be now if they didn't sell the Flash and Green Lantern and and Superman. I, I mean that that was a
0: huge moment in comics history. Well, yeah, it's hard to say what may have happened. I mean, at some point, I don't think those properties would, have, would have disappeared. I mean, but they may not be nearly as well known, maybe as as. We know them today. I don't know. If, I, yeah. If EC
3: had happened sooner, you mean earlier? <coughs> well, if
0: he hadn't sold off
3: oh, he those sold those properties
0: oh, initially to uh, DC, no, no, no. and DC went on to you know make them.
3: Well, the fact is that the superhero titles did drop in sales severely in the fifties, so mm-hmm. it might have happened that he would have been looking for something else anyway if he had kept DC. Yeah, maybe.
1: At the time, at the time, and it's, you know definitely as we as we go on through here through the history of EC, it probably looked like the most sound decision. That w- was made because it was really the, um, the the horror comics and war comics that that kind of
0: and those Bible stories were hot hot sellers <laughs> hot right? Bible story action <laughs> oh worship that golden calf all
1: right uh, what what is next in <clears throat> history? well in
0: 1950 William cleaned house he junked all the old <clears throat> titles and replaced them with a bold line he called New Trend Comics. War Against Crime became the vault of horror. Crime Patrol was made over into the Crypt of Terror. Gaines and Feldstein added Weird Science and Weird Fantasy to the line as an outlet for their shared enthusiasm for science fiction, and later minted shock suspense stories, crime suspense stories, and the Haunt of Fear. As each horror and suspense title was created, it displaced and discontinued another old title. The basic EC story formula relied on elemental moral tenets of good and evil. Although virtue didn't always come out on top, the truly bad characters in any given story got what was coming to them in one perverse way or another. Given the unspoken premise that any portrayed evil was being set up for a fall, part of the fun of an EC horror comic was the big payoff at the very end. The grotesque but ironic physical retribution that was a trademark of a EC-style story. However, the sheer volume of material required for Feldstein's titles, four to five stories per week, occasionally resulted in a formulaic approach. Filling seven titles with stories meant coming up with one story every day, an obviously daunting challenge to the Feldstein-Gaines team in the early days when they alone produced each tale. Luckily, Gaines was an insomniac who would read science fiction and horror books uh, read science fiction and horror books far into the night, jotting down ideas that would be used as springboards for his daily mo- meaning with Feldstein.
1: When, when they're talking about one story a day. I think that people think of that in the in the modern convention of writing a twenty two page comic now and I think at that what these were 10, really what 10 10 12, to 12 page 12. stories? Yeah,
3: except they didn't have ten page <coughs> fight scenes. They were stories. They had a yeah. plot that had to begin, middle, and mm-hmm. ending it had to be resolved mm-hmm. in those pages. So you know, unlike a superhero comic where you can kind of just run along and then tell another story. You could go on for yeah. four issues. These were you no, know, they had to be a story. So, so no were, one's
2: been waiting for the archives since the 50s, saying, I'm going to wait to get all of them in one shot. <laughs> waiting for the trade. Waiting for the trade on this. <laughs> <press>.
3: <laughs> My favorite part of that sort of uh, formulaic uh, element that entered into the comics is, there's there's if, if you read a lot of EC horror titles especially, there's this story that keeps coming around where this henpecked husband sort of eventually <laughs> loses it and butchers... You know, grinds, uh, throws her <laughs> out a window, whatever, does something to the wife that's been driving him crazy over for a and family, over. Or whatever. Yeah, but it just <laughs> that's funny. That, that it's, that, it's actually over, one yeah. of the
1: one of the first stories in in the uh, suspense, suspense, suspense stories. stories. Yeah, is it's it, it's flipped it's it's the it's the hen pecked wife right. and and the, the, yeah and the, and the yeah, rooster pecked exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the the husband is such a you know he's he's such an anal freak about you know organization and whatnot, and she like you know ends up like killing him. Cutting him up and putting him in jars that are all, you know, perhaps organized. that would be it's the best way. way to, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay.
2: Is the best way to store human beings in <laughs> multiple jars, <laughs> <laughs> as always.
3: But yeah, there were a lot of those stories. Uh, there's some Freudian stuff going on in that office, I'm sure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> little At least there's
2: one where uh, someone grinds up an editor. Why are there all these stories
3: well, about editors? They did editors? actually feature in the stories a few times. They brought themselves in, yeah.
0: Oh, uh, well, let's see, uh, it was my job to sell him a springboard, as it got to 11 or 12 o'clock I'd be getting desperate because I knew he had to finish a story, Gaines recalled, assembling them so many tales inevitably led to some near plagiarism, we swiped a few Ray Bradbury stories and he caught us, Gaines once recalled with a laugh, but he was a real gentleman and wrote us a very nice letter suggesting that we had forgotten to pay him his royalties, When EC started to produce supernatural tales, they did it after the worst holocaust that people had ever known, World War II. And the deaths of six million Jews in the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, noted Stephen King in an interview with Heavy Metal magazine. Indeed, a populace confronted with tales of Nazi atrocities was far less likely to respond to subtle gothic horror. The new sensibility demanded renditions of The Walking Dead in all their rotting glory. I don't know if anything has struck me as being scary besides the old EC stuff, which was definitely scary, commented artist and continuity comics publisher Neil Adams. Uh, EC horror comics were not simply compilations of ghoulish cliches, but subtle, satiric approaches to horror with genuine dilemmas and startling twist outcomes. Likewise, EC's science fiction and fantasy titles dealt with adult issues like racism and the meaning of progress. In part because of the higher quality material, EC soon assembled a stable of artists unparalleled in in the industry then, and some argue ever. These series uh, were rendered in a photorealistic art style seldom seen in comic books up to that time. They promoted their stable of illustrators, allowing each to sign their art, encouraging them to develop idiosyncratic styles, and by printing one-page biographies of them in the comic books. This was in stark contrast to the industry's common practice in which credits were often missing and generic house styles were the norm. Each story was written and with the artist in mind. Hence, artists like Davis and Ingalls were given the more gruesome, supernatural theme stories that fit their style, while artists like Cayman and Evans were given tamer material. Before long, EC attracted a stable of freelance artists and writers who have since become legends in the field. In EC stories, readers could easily identify the signed work of such artists as Graham Ingalls, Wally Wood, Jack Davis, Johnny Craig, Bernard Kringstein, Will Elder, Harvey Kurtzman, Al Feldstein, Jack Cayman, George Evans, Joe Orlando, John Severn, and Al Williamson. Other artists of note who worked for EC included Frank Pozetta, Basil Wolverton,
3: and Reed Crandall. And uh, the other thing I just throw in there, uh, not just the artists didn't just get credit and recognition, but they got paid better. Mm-hmm. The EC page rates were, uh, I, I don't know exactly how much above the, the normal rates, but far above. It's similar to what quality comics did in the 40s. They had the best rate, they got the best artists. But I also think you're right. They inspired those guys by giving them credit. Make you know they you know you get something invested in what you're doing. That sure well, absolutely you can
1: carve out
2: your own sort of
3: Gra- identity. You
1: Graham know. Well, Gra- well, Graham yeah. What is Graham
3: Ingalls referred to as? Well, he's ghastly, right? Well, that's how he signed his work. And <clears throat> but uh, the, the, you know fans wrote in demanding a story by this guy, or well, they want to see more of this or this guy, and. They were talking about the, you know, their art. So. The message boards yeah. went crazy back then. <laughs> yeah, more Jack Davis
2: <laughs> as they nail letters to the. The board in the middle of town. The message. The literal message board. <laughs> I, I think one of the other
1: interesting things, and I just touched on it real briefly, was on the the Ray Bradbury, and, and I love that that you know he didn't sick the lawyers on him about you know them, the it, shit
2: out of them with his own <laughs> fists.
1: He sent a very pleasant letter, said, "Hey, it's 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 very nice of you guys to uh, to print my story. You know, right. you might want to pay me for and it. And
3: it." Subsequently, they did, in fact, buy stories from him and pay him royalties.
1: And the, and they were some of the most popular EC comics of the time and they would put you know based on a short story from Ray Bradbury and it it was turned into some of their hottest sellers hot, hot.
3: well I think the horror books sold better than everything and the horror mm-hmm. books pretty much sold everything else they, they were able to do the war books and other books that didn't sell quite as was it
1: the, the horror and then probably what the the science the weird science stuff I know that those were extremely popular and that that's where a lot of the
3: Ray Bradbury uh, stuff yeah went. but the horror were definitely the top
0: Well, uh, horror comics were the first successful instances of comics without a regular hero or heroine. In other words, uh, Superman or a little Lulu. But the EC Comics mags did have hosts. Like their radio inspirations, both of the first EC horror tales and everyone that followed were introduced by ghastly hosts who soon became known as the (laughs) ghoul lunatics. Sort of like Chris. (laughs) He's a (laughs) ghastly host. He's from
3: Chicago. Oh, uh, I mean, there were wondering. there were actually crime comics in the late forties, but you know. They weren't character based. They right? Were, you know story based, but yeah. similar. <coughs> yeah, similar.
0: Um I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah, I just <laughs> lost where I was at. Uh the Crypt Keeper for the Crypto Terror. Uh, later renamed Tales from the Crypt, the Vault Keeper for the Vault of Horror, and the Old Witch in the Haunt of Fear. Gulunatics welcomed the reader to each new tale and lobbed hideous puns in the last panel after a story which culminates in a come-up-and-spy deep-frying. The Old Witch remarks, Hey, hey, and now my tale is done, kitties. Well done. I hope it's left you with a ravishing appetite. The EC <laughs> letter... Yeah, <laughs> <Now> I wasn't, <laughs> <I> wasn't going <laughs> to... You weren't, huh? No. not <laughs> we'll leave it to me. Yeah, well, no. Yeah. You do it that's much better. In, that's what we brought, brought uh, we, it in we, for.
3: We brought in the talent, <laughs> too. His which, t-
2: which voice. <laughs>
3: yeah. They brought in the old ghoul, basically. <laughs> Hello, this is Steve Niles, and you are listening to Around Comics.
0: The EC Letters page is overflowed with coherent reader correspondence respond
3: <laughs> Very <laughs> to smart to listeners. listeners. As opposed, as opposed <laughs> to normal comics. Let's <laughs> try to read this sentence. <laughs>
0: Coherent
3: correspondence (laughs) responded.
0: What? Coherent reader correspondence (laughs) responded to by the Goo Lunatics. Part of what made EC attractive to readers was this fan creator interplay. No matter what writer was responsible for the actual story, Feldstein wrote the Goo Lunatics dialogue. I remember back when I was young listening to The Witch's Tale on the radio, Feldstein told an EC convention crowd in 1972. Bill and I talked about it when I first became associated with him, and we decided we were going to put something like that into comics. By mid-1953, business at EC was astonishing, writes Maria Reidelbach in Completely Mad, a history of the comic book and magazine. The Haunt of Fear, The Vault of Horror, and the renamed Tales from the Crypt had a circulation of 400,000 copies each. Weird Science, Weird Fantasy, Two-Fisted Tales, and Frontline Comet lagged behind at about 225,000 copies apiece. William Gates h- had turned his father's rickety little publishing house into a success and found a purpose in life at the same time. Imitators continued to spring up everywhere, some good, others just plain bad. The golden age of Hero Comics was over, and even Marvel Comics lurched from the Hero Format converting its venerable Captain America into Captain America's weird tales and then simply weird tales. One could hardly fault the industry for, for reacting so wholeheartedly. Even without a fan press to document the phenomena, or podcast, it was common knowledge yeah. that any kid worth his Chuck Taylors was willing to trade three Batmans or five true romances for anything with a corpse on the cover.
3: Chuck Taylor wasn't really making shoes then, but okay.
0: Sorry, it was the oldest shoe I could think of. Yeah, it. how about
3: right. uh, hush puppies? Maybe or wooden clogs? <laughs> no, it would probably be. Uh, Wait, Chuck not Taylor's. Keds. I'm thinking what came before kids, but anyway, never mind. I'm not all that right, old, thankfully. Right. <laughs> what did you
2: wear before Chuck Taylors? I didn't wear. It, it was either I grew up
3: wearing my chucks, but you know,
2: it was leather bottomed wingtips for everyone. <laughs>
3: Comic Tom McCann's. That's Tom what McCann's. they were. Tom McCann's. <laughs> I don't even think they make shoes anymore.
0: <laughs> comic readers, mainly young school-age males, ate it up like ice cream. A typical horror comic sold three times as many copies as its romantic or superheroic counterparts. Gaines kept his staff small and the production levels high. Most of the illustrators were freelancers who at first were paid $18 per page for pencil work, $13 for inking. The fee later rose to about $50 a page. The income was, for gains, incomparable. According to a Senate testimony, EC's annual gross revenue by this time was about $1 million, the net 50000 Not bad for a books that went for $0.10 cents a copy. That meant they were selling about 10 million copies a year. It was also during this period that he and Harvey Kurtzman launched the legendary comic incarnation of MAD. Most competitors <laughs> leapt aboard the horror wagon with more enthusiasm than ability. While EC Comics had their occasional moments of unmitigated tastelessness, Gaines and Company at least maintained a sense of humor that disarmed even the most disgusting tale. Despite the dubious quality of EC's peers, the late 1940s and early 1950s were the heyday of horror, and nothing could stop the party, or so it seemed.
3: Yeah! Uh, woohoo! Get me! I'm leaping aboard the horror wagon! <laughs> yeah. But mostly with
0: enthusiasm, not ability!
3: Woohoo! Yeah!
1: Well, wrap wrap your head around those numbers for a second. Ten million copies a year.
0: Yeah, I mean, they you had you had three titles selling four hundred thousand or more, and then the, your 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 You're, you, yeah the, the other copies are two you know two and a quarter. That's unbelievable. I mean, think about
3: like the but the, even 10 the 10 million juvenile delinquents reading comic <laughs> yeah. books? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. The country was going to hell in a handbasket. You know, you know, to put it uh, you know in today's terms, uh, Tom, you're more of a numbers guy, but yeah. uh, Civil War number 1 sold 300,000 copies. Yeah,
2: just a little bit over 300,000.
0: And those numbers started going down rapidly after that, yeah. whereas these were consistently
2: I mean, 000, a hundred
3: thousand—a really high-selling
2: you know. book. Now, like, if you're over a hundred thousand, it's considered a pretty high-selling. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the.
3: Tom, special. you're
2: the numbers guy. I'm an accountant. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> scary, isn't it? <laughs> Look Hundred thousand is pretty much <laughs> a, a pretty big, <laughs> big threshold <laughs> for what's considered a huge hit, and you know.
1: You know, but it, and, and then they and they talk about the, uh, the other companies that were starting to put out the other uh, horror titles and, and what we're getting ready to get into is kind of the the aftermath of that and just from a couple documentaries i've seen and and what i've read is that the story started to get more gruesome and oh, it, was, sure. you have it was
0: escalation a, i yeah. mean it's like they have to you know the, the natural competition is going to make things escalate to the point where
3: it, it well, was sooner or later. Yeah. First, you chop off point. your wife's head. Eventually, you're decorating your Christmas tree with your entrails. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah, I mean, right. you got to go somewhere. Some you got to go up. You can only the kids will only buy that same chopping up your
1: spouse <laughs> exactly. story. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you exactly. I mean, they, they, they were churning out so many stories. I mean, you're looking; these were thirty-six page 32, books, thirty-two, 30, generally, and, and 32, 34 Yeah, so they're they're I like think. three stories a book. You know, you're looking.
0: You know, th- it was only which with, is something I wanted to bring up because <clears throat> someone on our forum. It said they that they really love the idea of the archives but they mm-hmm. were reluctant to pay the price for six issues. Yeah. But you have to remember six issues means it's over two hundred pages. They're not 22 page mm-hmm. comic books six issues of. T- they're 32 plus other so is totally hardcover Rush Cochran mm-hmm. yeah these oh are the, buy them yeah. they're, they're awesome oh, yeah. they look they're
3: fantastic great. it's yeah. like getting the original art I mean it, it's beautiful reproductions from the actual originals which mm-hmm. Gaines kept
2: yeah I mean that yeah. is a thick one book one of the few people to do that and uh, if you get it up in stock trades it'll be
0: really <laughs> 32 30% I mean, so it's like 30 32 <laughs> or they're 35
1: they're, they're, yeah, yeah they're like some 32 something a piece well, well worth it well worth it
0: well, uh, all this success made EC a big target. Beginning in the uh, late 1940s, the comic book industry began uh, became the target of mounting public criticism for the content of comic books and their potentially harmful effects on children. The problem came to a head in 1948 with the publication of Dr. Frederick Wortham's Boo. two articles, House in the Nursery in Collars Weekly. Wh- and horror the, in the Nursery. I'm sorry, Horror in the Nursery uh, from Collars Weekly, and the psychopathology of comic books from the American Journal of Psychotherapy. A storm of criticism broke out around comic books. In response, a group of publishers, including Gaines, created the Association of Comic Magazine Publishers, the ACMP. The association released their Publishers Code, drawing on the Hollywood Production Code, better known as the Hays Code, Which had also been drafted to stave off external regulation. Like the production code, it forbid portrayals of crime that might throw sympathy against the law or weaken respect for established authority, and prohibited ridicule or attack of any religious or racial group. Sexy wanton sex, or sexy wanton comics, (laughs) sexy wanton sex, my favorite kind of sex. Uh, Uh, Sexy wanton comics.
3: I like sexy wanton sex.
0: were not to be published, and divorce uh. was not to be treated humorously or represented as
3: glamorous or alluring.
2: <laughs> they came out with Glamorous Divorce magazine. I've got to say, if you've never
3: read the actual comics code, uh, it's hilarious to read it. I mean, because, you know, it's so literal. You can't do this, you can't do that. She can't do that with him while they're they're, they're drinking this. Oh, it's very
2: funny. Divorce never portrays divorce as glamorous. Is that a huge problem in the EC title? Well, they, they,
1: they didn't divorce, they killed
0: each other. Yeah, each other. Sort of <laughs> divorce. Yeah, yeah. Divorce. Yeah, yeah. divorce. The, the marriage was annulled
3: by, <laughs> <point. Yeah. laughs> by murder. Yeah.
0: Comics that complied with the code were offered a seal of approval. The code, however, was not a success, ignored by both large and small publishers. Some publishers, such as Dell Comics, refused to join the organization. Others, such as founding member EC Comics, terminated their participation. Those who continued as members made use of the AAC MP seal of approval without any formal process of review. Describing the situation in nineteen fifty, Director Schultz said the association, I would say, is out of business and so is the code. Nevertheless, comics continued to be printed with the association seal for the next few years. Was this kind of the the dry run of the Comics Code Authority? Well, it was their own. I mean they they Well so was the Comics Code. Well
1: It was self policing.
0: Yeah, they were trying to do a, a preemptive, preemptive strike. Really, is what what they were trying so it was to do. So it's one of those things where you try and do a
2: preemptive strike, but until you actually sort of get freaked out, Nail it the won't wall. really stick. Yeah, you know, like you'd be like, you know, it's coming, but until it hits you, this should. Yeah,
0: it's like, well, this will tide you know, yeah. tide it over. You well, know, but. Uh, Code or no code, Dr. Wortham took it upon himself to illuminate and eliminate the harm he felt was being done to young comic book readers. Wortham attacked all comics with zeal, but had a particular axe to grind with crime and horror titles. He lobbied unsuccessfully, unsuccessfully for legislation to prohibit sales of comic books to individuals under the age of 15. He failed to arouse any substantial public outcry until 1953, when an excerpt in Ladies Home Journal previewed the publishing of his manifesto, The Seduction of the Innocent. Parents were shocked at what they read and saw. Batman and Robin were plainly homosexual, Wortham proclaimed, as was Wonder Woman. Lurid pictures culled from comics depicted acts of depravity and torture that modern youth will surely emulate. (laughs) Wortham warned, All ten million of them. When Seduction was finally published, it was reviewed by the major media outlets of the day and provoked newsstand boycotts and pressure to control the comic book menace. Public comic book burnings were so common that part of the current value of an EC comic can be directly linked to its avoidance of these bonfires. Hey, let's go burn all our copies of
3: Justice Society of America number one. (laughs) The fascinating thing about this is this guy's methods, right, his documentation. He worked with kids, troubled kids. Mm -hmm. They all read comics. He he said he noticed that they would all have that comic book rolled up in their back pocket. Well, 10 million readers were all kids. Yeah. Kids read comics. All kids had it. Juveniles yeah. delinquents read comics, and kids who weren't. Good kids, you? yeah, sure. Well, it's like, you know,
1: kids with
2: shoes. Kids with shoes
1: kids are with growing... Kids
3: shoes are, you know, yeah, right. They're, it's horrible. Well, Someone needs to figure
2: out a way to make these shoes responsible for themselves. <laughs>
0: It's Chuck, were they t- Chuck? Ta- they weren't Chuck Taylors. They were. Um, what did you say? Hey. Old
2: man McCanns.
3: Tom <laughs> McCann. Tom <laughs> McCanns, you young whippersnapper.
0: Tom Tom McCann's no fish. Uh, you never I, heard of Tom McCann? Huh? I have actually. Because he's from Wisconsin. Yes. On June first, yeah, <laughs> <that's the> reason. <laughs> on June first, nineteen fifty-three, the Senate Subcommittee to Investigate Juvenile Delinquency in the United States was created, led by anti-crime crusader Estes. Kifauver? Kifauver. Kifauver? Its mission was to take a second look at the possible influence of so called crime comic books. Dr. Wortham seized upon the opportunity to further his crusade and testified on April 21, 1954. In extensive testimony before the committee, Wortham restated arguments from his book and pointed to cr- comics as a major cause of juvenile crime. As the testimony from other parties wore on, it became obvious that a scapegoat was being constructed to which the scourge. Of juvenile delinquency could be pinned.
1: Did I say scourge right? Yes, it would be the scourge.
0: Scourge, yeah, sorry. Uh, the target was so large, anyone with an opinion stood in line to lob grenades. Was juvenile delinquency that horrible in the 50s? Well, okay. like you had, like, Billy Batson kids running around homeless. <laughs> yeah,
2: running into fucking train tunnels <laughs> whenever someone convinces them to do it, I guess. You uh,
3: I, mean, I, th- th- I think cool. it was... A, 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 a big concern for the public, and maybe it was one of those things where drugs became later. You know, all of a sudden, oh, white kids are taking drugs. Maybe there were more white kids uh, well, do you involved think in juvenile delinquency. I don't know, but people did get upset about it.
0: Do video. you think uh, part of it is because of the burgeoning media at that time? I mean, the, with television and radio and you how, thing, how, and everything, yeah. how Bars, that kind of message do, could... It's
3: post-war America. There's mm-hmm. a lot more money flooding into you know the country, so kids were not working; they were out there Causing hanging trouble, around. Yeah. You know, these are social changes. they're having surviving childhood of yeah. And then they were reading comics, so yeah. their their minds were warped. Well, they, they were
1: driving out to make out point, and they hadn't done that well, I, before. I just
0: think know? I just think that you know because you you know all of a sudden you, you were able to get this message across to millions of people that you mm-hmm. know a lot quicker than ever before. The overreaction. No, I of well, it also it, became you know, a country be-
2: of like. You know, it's not just kids had a lot of free time. You know, adults had a lot of free time. Okay, no well, like we're arguing
3: whether there was juvenile delinquency or not. We're not experts remember. on that. Just like this guy was not expert on I'm common accurate, yeah. he, he never bothered to actually document, and do statistics, and analysis <laughs> analysis of what kids were actually you know, he wrote a book, and water.
1: and and, the, and it right, got he into was the an expert common with quotations
3: culture around mm. it. But the fact is, is that you know, I mean, why does anybody do anything? We don't. We don't know. But what they did is comics published material that you couldn't see on television at the time and you couldn't see in the theaters. So it was ahead of its time in terms of content. Mm -hmm. You didn't have violent murders being, you know, in comics they sit there. In a movie there might be a second of a knife flashing, but in comics you can look at that. Over and over. Lovingly rendered gore and violence (laughs) he did so well. But uh, I think they were just you know people were crazy about communism and yeah, where sure. they, they, yeah fear would in general was very rampant upset in a lot of start burning things and running people out of well, town I, I, Hollywood whatever
1: I think a lot of it is that the world was changing and people fear change and this is one of the things that they that they anchored their fears to I guess, is probably
2: sure. uh, well it's like anything you see the same thing with. Video games. You now, see it today, or, you uh, yeah, know, I mean, or that's... in the '80s when all those experts came even out, said there was. I mean, courts courts everyone in was sincere. Yeah,
3: uh, a lot of the politicians who used his ideas were not sincere. They were the usual opportunists. But he himself was sincere to his dying day. He was. He became. He kept in correspondence with different comic book people. Uh, interesting guy.
0: And who's to say he wasn't completely right?
3: <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> I so fucking twisted because of all the comic books i read. Well, uh, not, again, now it doesn't matter because comics are so tame compared to films, and, you know, I mean, you can right, sure yeah, download absolutely. porn all day if you want. Not that I recommend that. This is
4: Gene Colin, and you are listening to Around
0: Comics. Bill Gaines couldn't stomach simply observing the proceedings any longer. He asked to testify before the subcommittee and was granted the privilege. Gaines was a successful businessman, but a poor politician, and his decision to appear before the subcommittee was a blunder. Gaines took credit for publishing the first horror comic, which he did not, and compared Wortham's understanding of the comic books to a frigid old maid's understanding of sex. No. That went
1: over really, really well. <laughs> yeah, that was very good.
0: By his own admission, Gaines stumbled when he defended the cover art for one of his books. The cover depicted a woman's severed head, and when asked if the cover was in good taste, Gaines said it was. The only way it would have been in bad taste, he said, was if it showed gore dripping from the head. Gaines didn't tell the Senators that a rejected version of that cover had done just that. On a positive note during his Senate appearance, he was shown a copy of the shock suspense stories then on the newsstand. In that issue was a fable called The Orphan, in which the girl's torturer ends up in the electric chair. Gaines was asked sarcastically if he thought the story had any therapeutic value for children. Instead of twisting some moral rationalization out of his scare tale, Gaines sensibly replied, I don't think it does them a bit of good, but I don't think it does them a bit of harm either.
1: In, in these Senate hearings, it was it was just one pitfall after another for him. Because well, he, he went there and he tried a, to answer. He
3: was also on uh, amphetamines and he was really in bad physical shape. Yeah, so he was, you know, I mean... The Senate hearings of the fifties, the anti-commie well, hearings—they were all witch hunts. You know, they were all you yeah, know. and they, they weren't fair presentations right. of anything.
1: You, that, you, they yeah. kept standing him up to knock him down, yeah. and and he he walked into every one of them.
0: Well, he he went there in good faith, thinking that he could change people's minds, mm-hmm. but not realizing maybe the reality of it and and uh, what kind of a bear trap it it was. But
2: um, well, you know, if you're if you're gonna have a hearing about whether or not EC Comics has like people with severed heads in it and you're like if that's your justification for getting rid of it and you show someone a picture of a severed head i mean like what's he gonna say
3: (laughs) even defending that cover though it literally wasn't shown i mean Mm -hmm. the the neck line was cut off and then you saw the body at an angle behind it you didn't see the severed neck either so in both cases it was implied so you put it together they did they were trying to yeah have some sort of sense of uh, was there whatever that is? Was there any I guess.
2: glorification of divorce
3: <laughs> in that issue or in that cover? Well, again, I think that in that cover. Yeah, it probably was a husband (laughs) who just killed his wife, yeah. Yeah,
1: divorced her from her body. No, they went
3: around, yeah, the divorce laws, they went around the divorce laws, again, you know. Again. This is the old-fashioned biblical divorce, right? (laughs) (laughs) All this lightning (laughs) would strike her down. She turns the salt. salt. Uh,
0: Gaines had volunteered to testify as a way of putting his case to the people. It didn't help. Even though no legislation resulted from the hearings, horror comics got buried in harsh publicity. Public opinion began to stack squarely against the comic industry. Though the committee's final report did not blame comics for crime, it recommended that the comics industry tone down its content voluntarily. Possibly taking this as a veiled threat of potential censorship, the majority of comic book publishers formed the Comic Magazine Association of America, the CMAA. The now familiar Comics Code Authority stamp was introduced to great fanfare and publicity. All comics would be submitted to an independent review panel before publication, and only those books that were deemed wholesome enough for the eyes of the nation's youth were allowed the stamp of approval. The Comics Code represented the kiss of death for EC's line of horror and suspense comics. Not only did the new rules forbid the use of the words horror or terror in a title, but explicitly specified that scenes dealing with or instruments associated with The Walking Dead, tortured vampires, and vampirism, ghouls, cannibalism, and werewolfism were prohibited. Pretty much everything that was in an EC comic where's and made the them fun good. You I mean, can't have a werewolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they
1: basically took every EC book and took the titles of the books and said, "You can't use these
3: words." And you can't torture a vampire too, or a werewolf. Yeah. I'm like, Come on, vampire if there's rights, anyone man! You can. Vampire rights. If there's anyone you should be able to torture. I mean, it's a vampire or, yeah, a, werewolf. or a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> My God, if you're a cannibal, you, you deserve <laughs> you to be should tortured. Be able to eat a cannibal <laughs> on a cover,
4: even. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, a logical <laughs> conundrum. Then you become a two, <laughs> two days, <laughs> and you cannibal. eat yourself. Oh, uh,
0: Two in. days before the CMAA was officially established, Gaines announced that he was suspending publication of his horror and suspense comics. An era had ended. As quickly as they had risen, the EC horror comics fell.
1: Bill Gaines was all about the the comics code to begin with. He met with other publishers. Was going to voluntarily enter it, or or actually no, he's going to uh, scratch that. He was. Going to try and and organize them to yeah that's in the next part.
0: Enforcement was voluntary oh, and publishers could choose to publish without the code <laughs> seal of approval as Gaines did at first. But when skittish distributors refused to carry his comics, he gave in. And after a year of struggling with code dictates, he quite quietly he quit entirely. By the beginning of 1956, EC had completely vacated the comics racks. Aww.
1: they they turned on him. That's the the other publisher. Yeah,
0: he initially thought. Yeah, he he was part of it and and initially thought it was going to be okay but he quickly learned that it was yeah i mean it was almost designed entirely to get rid of ec sure. comics well it was it the comics code
1: attacked exactly what ec was doing and it was all the other publishers basically got together and if you get all your competition in one room and say hmm you know what with this we can get rid of our biggest, biggest competitor, competitor yeah. and they they
0: steamrolled him It's a harsh business. Publishing.
3: Uh, With the Uh, with with I don't know. Where's where's torture and cannibalism when you need it, huh?
0: (laughs) (laughs) With a threat of government
3: censorship as their excuse, the code
0: became an instrument the larger publishers could use to eliminate some of their competition. Gaines canceled the entire EC line except for Mad Magazine. It survived because it didn't look like a comic book, and so it wasn't a target. Which didn't mean children weren't reading it. He became the fat, funny face of M.A.D., aside from Alfred E. Newman. EC's most lasting legacy came with M.A.D., which started as a side project for Harvey Kurtzman before booing the company's fortunes and becoming a remarkably significant humor publication. A sister publication, Panic, was also produced when humor magazines were the industry rage in 1954. Many of the artists and writers from the new trend era promptly found work in EC's M.A.D. and Panic magazines. There, the EC style lived on in the form of wicked parody and razor wit. Oddly enough, the drawing styles of Will Elder, Jack Davis, Al Feldstein, and John Severn were first encountered by many baby boomers via mad paperbacks and reprints in the 1960s and early 70s, making the, their serious work in the earlier EC horror titles seem incongruous. Inc- I can't fucking speak. Incongruous. Incongruous at first to the average under 40 reader who was who has worked backward through history. Still, EC's new trend line stands the test of time, nearly a half century after their original publication date. Luckily, EC has found a large audience embracing its humor, comics, Madden Panic. Mad always sold well throughout the company's troubles, and Gaines focused exclusively on publishing Mad in magazine form. This move was done to placate its editor, Harvey Kurtzman, who had received an offer to join the magazine pageant, but preferred to remain in charge of his own magazine. More crucially, the Switch had the happy result of moving Mad from the auspicious... God, i got to quit putting big words in this (laughs) this shit. The auspices? The auspices of the Comics Code. While no EC comic book lasted six years, Mad has has been publishing without interruption for over 50. Though Kurtzman did not last long with Mad after this point, leaving when Gaines wouldn't give him a 51% control of the magazine, Gaines brought back Al Feldstein as his replacement. The magazine enjoyed unrivaled success for decades afterwards. Gaines continued to publish Mad until 1961 when he sold it to Premier Industries. In 1968, it was was acquired by Warner Communications, one of the companies that eventually wheeled and dealed to become AOL Time Warner. That media mega-conglomerate owns it today along with DC Comics, Time Warner, MGM, and the Hanna-Barbera cartoons and other major toon properties. The Tales from the Crypt title was licensed for a movie in 1972 and more successfully for a TV series in the 1980s. William Gaines died in nineteen ninety two, but his legacy lives on throughout comics culture and modern comic shops.
2: I have to say that, um, Mad, I read Mad Magazine when I was a kid, and a lot of my knowledge of movies that came out that I never saw <laughs> come merely from the parodies in Mad Magazine. Sure. I've never seen any of the movies, but I recognize them from the from Mad, Mad Magazine. From the Mad Magazine. Uh.
1: Well, I think what's interesting out of all this is that you know, Bill Gaines is one of the more important architects of comic books but he's more widely known as being the man behind Mad Magazine. I think that's very interesting that that has kind of been his legacy. And
3: no. Mad is a comic uh, magazine. Has it ever been late? <laughs>
1: I was really
2: curious. And I, said, I'm not, I,
3: I don't, know, I don't know. In 50 years, has Mad I don't ever missed a deadline?
0: So, yeah, I'm just curious. I don't think so. Well, you know, you, you are, are the curious. numbers guy. Yeah, I am the numbers guy. <laughs> I need to know.
2: But,
1: but I think that, you know, and that's maybe the distinction. Do, do people look at Mad and have looked at mad as more of a magazine as opposed to a comic book i mean that's why that's why he left ec comics is because mad could be sold on newsstands as a magazine as opposed as a comic that's why it got out from under the comic was different
3: they were able to sell it for more money even though it was black and white which is funny but it was bigger so they made a much bigger profit margin i imagine um yeah i don't know the answer exactly but uh I think uh, what was the question again
1: I, is mad is, is mad more of a you know oh, I don't yeah, think I don't nice. think it's important yeah. but you know. I think
3: people uh, well, people shop for it differently. Pe- when people say comics they usually do mean superhero yeah now hmm. uh, but they also probably think of like four color or what used to be the four color comic sure you know. sure what do they call them now pamphlets or the little comic books, thing. digest, no, floppies, they're just, floppies. Yeah, they're just, oh, they're just, floppies. Oh. They're just, I've heard pamphlets for the you know the non-trade paperback <laughs> collection,
1: singles, floppies, w- yeah, whatever. Yeah.
0: Um, well, although the last non-Mad EC publication came out in 1956, EC comics have remained popular for half a century, thanks much in part to the reprints that have kept them in the public eye. Some of the many EC reprints include the following. Ballantine Books uh, published five paperbacks between 1964 and 1966. The EC Horror Comic Library published by Nostalgia Press in 1971. The EC Portfolios uh, in 1971 and 1977. Uh, East Coast Comics reprinted uh, in comic form a number of EC New Trends comics between 1973 and 1975. The Complete EC Library, a project of Russ Cochran's that started in 1978, printed reprinted every single EC comic in hardbound volumes. And EC Classics, this group of magazine-sized reprints from Russ Cochran, appeared between 1985 and 1989. Uh, Throughout the 1990s and 2000, almost EC's entire line of comics were reprinted in comic form. The first group of reprints came from Gladstone in 1990, which reprinted Various issues of the, of the three horror comics, the sci-fi comics, and crime suspense stories in 64-page issues. A total of 18 issues would be published. Uh, the second group of reprints, known as the RCP Russ Cochran Publisher reprints, appeared the next year and also reprinted various issues from the horror, sci-fi, and crime comics. Starting in 1992, the comics were reprinted in chronological order in a 32-page form. This line eventually reprinted every new trend and new direction comic except for Mad and many pre-trend cool. comics as well. And in 2006, Russ Cochran announced the beginning of a new project, a series of hardcover color reprint sets called the EC Archives. And they are fantastic. Yes, they are. So, uh, yeah, you know, in doing my research for this piece, I I, I really was kind of blown away by how influential William Gaines and EC Comics were. I mean, I always had heard of EC Comics, and I occasionally had read some here and there, but I never really had a sense of how... Much of an impact that 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 company and those comics and William Gaines had on the comic book industry. I mean, really looking at the history of EC Comics is is really the history of the comics. history of comics to some degree, and and it's amazing that as you know, as much as uh, I've been around comics for twenty years and 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 reading them and enjoying them, I never really knew any of it, and and it's a uh, kind of sad in some ways that that they don't maybe get the mainstream attention that that I think they should but hopefully with the reprints and and that they're still around and and uh, people talk about them and and more people will get turned on to them so I know I have now been you know with the with the archives I, I can't get enough of thank it thank goodness for Russ Cochran yeah he's really kept kept EC around for for 40 years now 50 years almost
4: you're listening to around comics it's like talking to your best friend's sister and she's
1: hot. Well, yeah, one of the um, main reasons that we asked Hillary to be here
0: is... Uh, he worked for EC back in 1948. Yeah, it's, uh, whenever you <laughs>
3: sold it to Bill Gaines. No, um, I wiped the blood off the floor, mostly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the Mos- the 12-issue Moses story. And
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was a maxi-series. The, the Tales, Tales of Stone. Young Moses. Tales yeah. of Young Moses. Before he got his powers, yeah.
1: If you're familiar with Hillary's work, you can see a direct line between what was done... At EC and your work, I mean, are you saying he stole? He (laughs) just
0: lifted all that stuff.
1: He aped from the
3: best influences. They're called influences. If you You admit to this influence, I'm tracing my influences. (laughs) But you can you can obviously see the
1: influence. I mean, why don't you put in put in words what what EC influenced
0: you what in your style. What did EC mean to you? Yes. Yeah.
3: Well, uh, the, my first, probably most profound influence from EC was the paperback collections that they uh, put out in the 60s, and seeing Wally Wood and all the guys in MAD, not the horror comics, mind you, but in MAD, that was the first time I saw that stuff, and I fell in love with it, but comics at the time were more, for me, Marvel, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, Those kind of people. So that was the comics I was reading and thinking of as comics. But I kind of grew into the EC influence. And by the time the 70s came around, when I started drawing... uh, Doing drugs. Yeah. (laughs) Watching other people do drugs. But the undergrounds came up by people like Bernie Wrightson, who were obviously inspired by... Graham Ingalls Jack Davis and EC Horror Line and Science Fiction Line you know Swamp Thing and books like that I mean there's all this stuff that was more il- illustrative more like the EC Line and not just superheroes and I don't know that influence came back for me mm-hmm. and yeah I think actually it's gotten profounder over the years uh, I, my best friend uh, was uh, in love with Wally Wood he collected his artwork and every comic Wally ever drew and inked and I wow. think that had an influence on me too every time we would go over there and talk the guy would be showing me more Wally Wood stuff so it was just I just absorbed it, and I, I mean, I can't get away from it now. If I sit down and draw, I don't have to look at Wally Wood. I can just draw. Oh yeah, Wood would put the shadow there. That kind of
1: thing. Is he is he your your biggest influence out of out of that whole EC
3: uh, troupe? I think so. I mean, I love other artists there, but Wood Wood. Ha, there's something about Wood's technique that's right there in your face. It's he, he was one of the most influential inkers in comics, mm-hmm. but also designers. I mean, his science fiction. You know, gimm- You know, his little machinery. His you know, little everything looked like the, like the grill on a, a Chevy or something from the 50s. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was just people. That's when they think of science fiction. For years, that's what they would draw. Sure. And I still do it just because I love that stuff. It's just cool. You know, it's just yeah. it's fun comics.
0: Do you well, think there was? Oh, I'm sorry, Tom.
2: Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna mention. I was gonna when you mentioned Swamp Thing, it made me, made me think of our Year of Alan Moore and how we just read Swamp Thing last month. And you can mm-hmm. see a lot of the EC. There's sort of a.
0: Oh yeah, that, like first, that first that tri- first. I had, I think I had mentioned it yeah. before because I had. not That was an read. EC story. Yeah, that first issue. I mean, that you know, it's a straight up horror EC, even with the twist ending. I mean, it was and, brilliant. And but it was an EC story. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I mean, like I, obviously they were hearkening back to that. He's stuff. not this. He's this. Right. They're supposed
2: to be like, oh, and yeah. that's the twist ending at the end where you realize what the swamp thing really is, as opposed to what. Right. thought it was going into it. Mm-hmm. so I thought that was an interesting sort of
0: do you, do you think and you had sort of touched on it, Hillary with with how uh, their work was more illustrative um, and you know you look at it now compared to other comic work or you know that came later like I said Ditko and Kirby mm-hmm. and how it wasn't you know it didn't have that action to it that comics of that time did but there was uh, something else there I mean there was such a depth um, to that work. Well, I,
3: I mean, I, lost I do th- my Well, no, but I, I think that uh, I think the difference, maybe in the art, some of the difference in the art for, with, with, say, superhero comics, which predominate the market today, uh, stems from the fact that these stories were not action stories per se. They weren't about characters flying around, jumping around, punching each other. They were more about people in real environments. And it lent itself to uh, art that we could handle that stuff. And you could make it dramatically compelling to have someone standing in a room. Well, how do you do that? It's not by drawing rippling muscles. You draw light, you do lighting and mood and atmosphere. It's the shot, the angle. All that stuff became important. And, the, you know, basically, Wood studied under Eisner and Kniff and people like that. He, he actually worked for Eisner. And he took the cinematic stuff that Eisner brought into comics and storytelling and lighting and, and he pushed it in his own direction. And, you know, all the other artists did the same thing. They were all really talented illustrators, and they were serving stories. If you ask someone to do a story where people are... Knocking down buildings for 16 pages—it's probably going to be more about grand action and mm-hmm. not about nuance yeah, of character. Where the camera is, and, 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 yeah, and, and yeah, it's yeah, not you know. that
1: Kirby came along later. I mean, he was doing stuff, you know, congruently with them. I mean, Kirby was, you know, working in the you know, the 40s, Captain America, and
3: well, and 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 they did their 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 uh, their horror uh, comics themselves, Simon mm-hmm. and Kirby, mm-hmm. and romance comics, and all that kind of stuff that would be closer to oh, non-superhero yeah, superhero also, yeah, genres, right. Ditko also. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so like you, D- John John, yeah. John, John is like Ditko. Ditko. Don't forget Ditko.
1: Listen
0: well, definitely I, I feel it it definitely leads it, it lends itself to sort of study of it almost uh, more so than, than the superhero stuff of the time, only because like I said, it it it's not stories about a bunch of action going on or these, you know, super powered beings. It's it's much more subtle and
3: in retrospect, you know, it it's it sort of Gives you more to look at. Well, I don't even know if you guys know this, but the boards, the EC boards, were lettered. The art boards that the artist drew those comics on were lettered before the artist got the script. They got the script and the boards at the same time, and they drew around those balloons. And there were only a few. Me? There were only, no. There were only a few artists. Bernie Krigstein, who was uh, re- primarily interested in panel breakdown. Just totally hated that. So when he took, he got certain stories. He would cut up the balloons and the pages and reassemble them to do his little tiny panel breakdowns. But if you look at everyone else, there's a format there, and that was dictated by Feldstein. Right. And when, when Kurtzman did his books, he actually gave layouts to the artist. He didn't letter mad. Uh, you know, he didn't have the boards mm-hmm. pre-lettered, but they, they had the book laid out by Kurtzman. He did his thumbnail layouts for the artist. Uh, so there was a editorial dictate about how the stories were told and you know, you couldn't do diagonal panels and 16 panels on a page. It was much more six panels on a page. Yeah. You know, well, tell that, that That's story. what I've noticed
1: yeah. in, the, in reading the archives and other stuff that I've been able to find, is that you, you know when you're reading an EC book. It, it is a, I don't want to say format, but you know it's an EC book. There is a common, you know, a a, a common right. thread that runs through them.
3: Right, and, uh, and you know, I mean, if you look at the horror books, if you look at what Feldstein wrote in general, I mean, it does get a little tiresome after a while. Not because he overwrote; you can overwrite in a good way, but it just, it's just, the format does become a little wearying. You know, it's okay. We got a paragraph of copy. Sometimes it's redundant with the artwork describing what's there. There is the a lot of
1: exposition. Right, and. and yeah.
3: You know that's, but these guys, you really look at it as, as a place where illustrators flowered and developed their drawing styles. I don't know, it's not necessarily the greatest comics in terms of storytelling. I mean, Craigstein could only do what he did by tearing up that format. You know, he could all, you know, he broke rules literally, he tore up <laughs> literally, <laughs> he, broke the rules. he ripped them it. up. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: why do you think they were so influential? In D- well, just to nutshell yeah. it, why, why in two thousand seven, yeah. are we so excited that the EC archives are coming out? Why are they relevant today? I guess.
3: Well, that's a good question. Um, they look good. People still want to kill their wives. I think. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm an newlywed. They want to get divorced. <laughs> no, they're I'm beautifully, beautifully drawn, and there are many wonderfully, you know, twisted, funny horror stories. Wonderful uh, science fiction allegories, and uh, There, it, it's there they're are. They are good tales. You know, they're really good tales, drawn by great illustrators, and good comic artists. I mean, these guys. What it's amazing when you know that they were given the format and the panels ruled out and the balloons there. What they were able to do within mm. that rigid format.
2: Well, I think it's. I think it's interesting because in reading those stories, you almost expect the stories to have been reprinted almost for a, like a kitsch value or like. A, sort of, like, look at how ironic it is to read these old stories, but they actually sort of surpass that expectation of being, like, it's not just retro. At times, the stories actually have, like, an interesting twist. Well, not only that,
3: their own commentary is built in. The horror stories are, they're cackling at the stories. I mean, you know, you mentioned Gaines talking about Witch's Tale. I mean, they did this stuff in the 40s on radio. You know, there was Inner Sanctum with Raymond the Gay Ghoul, And they would sort of send up the horror genre as you're enjoying that genre. So, you know, to make fun of it now, what are you making fun of? They knew they were telling this really grisly. It's such an interesting thing to read this, because you would say, if someone were to hand
2: you a 1950s, you know, without someone who doesn't know anything about it and say, here's a 1950s horror book, you would think, well, this is some retro chic... It's not going to hold up. It's not going to hold up in any way. That's
0: I was most... When I first started reading the archives, I was most amazed at how well... I, it never entered my mind that these were, you know, old comment that these were these were written, you know, 50 years ago. They were so sort of still. I don't want to say relevant because of, of the, the 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 genre, but they they held up so well. Uh, there were stories in there that were just still, you know, kind of mind blowing and just amazing. Well, yeah. I, it and, c- it could be
1: today if yeah. only men
3: wore hats. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And everyone smoked.
1: Well, I think I think you see that. just in. Um, the tv show on hbo tales from the crypt that they updated the stories they took these you know these 40s and 50s stories they just updated them a little bit and they're the yeah same really stories. just
0: the you know sort of the, the dress the, yeah the the costumes and yeah. and some well, of i the think talk, a lot of the
2: concepts you see it even dressed up i mean there's sort of like it, it, i mean the whole idea of like sort of a twisted science goes all the way back to like frankenstein you know that's of whole sort of you yeah. creating something that destroys But these your, were like, groundbreaking yeah. comics. I mean, yeah. again, we were
3: talking about the, you know, the the, the Senate hearings and all that and the, you know, the comics code. There wasn't anything like this before, you see. I mean, there were, you know, there were crime comics and there were comics that parents probably saw and threw in the garbage, you know, when they when they found them in their kids' room, but these comics, you know, touching on horror and science fiction, nothing was ever like that in comics. So they were new. They were exciting. Yeah. That isn't there today. I mean, you're reading now, and you're, you're more appreciating just the quality of the craft right. now. Yeah. There isn't The yeah, novelty isn't there. But they were new. And, and MAD, you talk about, you know, you're not really looking at the stuff as an antique. When Saturday Night Live did a parody of MAD, I don't know if you guys ever saw that episode. They did a parody of MAD when it became generic. You know, now you pick up MAD, you, well, they've tried to change it yeah. in recent years. Yeah. But up until a few years ago... You would read those movie parodies, and it's like you were reading the parody you read 30 years ago. They yep. just plug a different movie in. Sure. Yeah. And they parodied the format. Well, Mad, when it first started, did not have a format. That w- I think Mad, one of the reasons Mad succeeded, it truly was the most groundbreaking thing that EC ever did. And there's no, you know, I mean, Kurtzman was the genius there. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Anyway, well, I, I mean, myself, that was... I, have a hard time remembering but i think mad you know and 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 books like that were really what got me into comics in the first place i was reading those before i was reading comic books just for the you know sort of sick twisted humor yeah. and that that's well, the just stuff mad
3: that mad taught kids something that i wish a lot of kids would learn today to actually look at the world around them not just accept it as con, you know yeah. like we're good right, consumers right. and we accept what government tells us what Mad told you to look at everything skeptically. Yeah, yeah. you know, Absolutely. don't trust what they tell you in an advertisement, in a speech, you know, whatever. And uh, that's a pretty profound lesson for a kid yeah. to learn at well, a young age. What was that when you said? Because I read Mad magazine at the same time
2: I started reading comics, and I never, I used to get all the like reprint books because my uh, grandfather used to really like Mad magazine, and I never considered them the same for whatever reason in my own mind. I they were too completely separate things yeah. in my own head even though they're yeah. not really in my head they were just it wasn't the same <laughs>
0: you know i remember i remember reading uh mad stuff and, and seeing severin's work in oh, it. and i always remember thinking when then was gosh why how come he doesn't do comic books <laughs> you know I, I you know it wasn't until he was till just in out. iron
3: fist number two by the way yeah yeah <laughs> i'm so lucky enough stuff. that i uh, the first time i was inked uh at Marvel, it was by John Severin. Really? Yeah. I, I My editor, Carl Potts, said, Hillary, um, would you like to be inked by Kevin Nolan or John Severin? And that was a tough choice, but not that tough for me. Because <laughs> I knew Kevin was going to be around forever, mm-hmm. you know. You're going to get another shot with Kevin? Yeah. This is John Severin, right. and I was doing, this was on what thus so it was a, mm-hmm. a mad-type parody book anyway, at least aspired to be. So there was really no choice. There. Kevin inked me on other things later, which was great. But, yeah. Hey, Severin's still doing stuff. Oh, just, yeah, yeah, that Iron still Fist. fist he just did, oh, yeah, absolutely. At eighty-four, I always, I, I always last issue sold out. <laughs> I always thought of Severin as the, um, the John Ford of comics. He drew. I mean, he just he did just crappy Western comics. At Marvel, you know, or Atlas Comics in the early 60s after EC collapsed, he stayed in comics. He never left comics. Mm -hmm. He went on to Mm Cracked. He wouldn't go back to Mad. (laughs) I hated Cracked when I was a kid. Yeah, well, but he drew brilliantly there. The writing suffered. But anyway, uh, he drew these Westerns, and they're just like so great. They're just, you know, one dull story after another mostly, but he just drew everything professionally. Every time out. Guys, he's fantastic. fantastic. Oh, like I said, I mean that he
0: was really one of the first artists, you know, or, or cartoonists or illustrators that I ever really took notice of. Yeah. as a kid uh, in that stuff, and I, I just ate it up. I mean, I just was amazed at what he was doing compared to anybody else. What they were doing in those books, yeah, uh, it just was unbelievable. And like I said, it was it was kind of funny later. I found out, you know, he had done all this other comic work I had no idea about. But
3: when he inked me, not to, not to belabor this too much, but one of the funniest things, and I love this, he was such a careful guy. I would I would pencil a figure, and I thought i put it every shadow, and I forgot to put a shadow in somewhere. He would put it in. He wouldn't change the art. He didn't redraw anything. He'd go, oh, he missed that. And this was the Pulverizer, you know, parody of the Pul- yeah. Punisher. So he's like punching a bunch of guys out, beating up on a bunch of guys in every other page. And there's this one big scene in a bar where all these guys are laying there after the, uh, the pulverizer has, you know, knocked them out. And so I put little X's in their eyes, meaning they were knocked out in comic book, you know, language. He drew their eyes in he blacked, blacked in their eyes, in. because that's the that's same symbol do, yeah. I was marking all well, the, the shadows oh. with for the inker to put in. And I, I found that so charming. He was, these were tiny little eyes that he blacked in. <laughs> They're like, I I mean black. yeah, yeah, I wouldn't fill of. it in myself. He was going, oh, he wants us blacked in. And it was like, <laughs> oh, he's so oh, careful oh, and professional a oh, guy, fucking he Hillary was blacking in those little <laughs> eyes. Oh, Why does Hillary Barton I these that It didn't bother me awesome. at all. I was like, oh, I love that. I wouldn't change it for the world.
2: Nice. Fucking Hillary Butter blacking out tiny eyes.
1: I don't understand it,
0: but I'm gonna do it anyway.
1: Well, do you guys have uh, have any last thoughts on on EC or the the
0: history or legacy of EC comics? If you haven't read EC stuff, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and and you can go go check out those archives Mm because it really is great stuff, and it is. an illustrative history of, of comic books and a huge, huge part of the history and of
3: And there are books on the stands now. Fear Agent is one sure that I've man. worked on writing stories for and others. You guys might be able to name them.
0: <laughs> Walk, something like Walking Dead, which is like a zombie book. Well, which, I think anything you know, horror-related or just that twisting, you, know, uh, you don't see as much of
3: it Anymore, Sometimes I see a little bit of it. There's in plenty of you there. see in the uh, Treehouse of Horror that True. they yeah. put out every little year, twist pretty much. And, uh, what you have you have been an author
1: and illustrator and of
3: uh, yeah, that's not why I mentioned it, but yes, <laughs> Bernie Wrightson just did a story for them. And uh, in fact, I think John Severin just inked something. Did, uh, did he? Maybe yeah. this year or last. Year. Oh, Gene, Dan Santora says Gene Colan. In <laughs> Gene Colan uh, get
0: your own show. On and on and on. But what? but if you have a chance, go. go it, it's really worth the, uh, the a effort. couple
1: a couple resources. And when, uh, I want to I want to mention uh, first of all, uh, Bill Jordan's uh, fantastic Golden Age of Comics podcast. Uh, he's done a couple... Uh, not he's, He did an EC uh, cast, but he also did some Weird Science uh, cast. So, Bill Weird Jordan... Weird Science? If you're interested in Golden Age comic books, his podcast is fantastic. Uh, and also, I, I mentioned it a little bit, uh, if you buy the Tales from the Crypt Season 1 DVD, there is a second disc included in that that has a fantastic one-hour EC comics documentary on it which is is well worth picking that up yes for. I was very
0: disappointed to find out that that existed because uh, when we were talking to Russ Cochran or before we were gonna talk to Russ Cockrum, I and I was doing all this research I'm like man there really should be a documentary about EC comics and there is I one He's there, like, there one. is one there is one I guess what I was happy shits. but also disappointed and, uh, look like, like Ron, a dick
3: uh, man or run who made it you know, I forget, the, you know, there's somebody who did a like couple comic books. Whoever you,
2: know, you are, are, sir. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh,
3: Congratulations.
1: And, and, and speaking of Russ Cochran, if you are interested in hearing uh, the, the vanguard of EC Comics, well, guess what? We did an interview with uh, Russ Cochran, and you will be able to hear that uh, when, Sal? Uh,
0: hopefully tomorrow, Friday. Um I will hopefully have that done and and you'll be able to listen to it. I so should have it done. If so not, I'll get it up like Saturday or something. Yeah, so don't fucking bitch about it. It's a it's going to be a <laughs> bonus it's episode. It's going to be free. We talked
1: to we I talked to like Russ the last uh, last Halloween, so it is uh it's dated by a couple months, but it is uh we had a lot of fun talking with we Russ. We have a lot of
2: references to uh, Republican controlled House of Representatives. <laughs> <laughs> so if it seems dated to you guys.
0: Sorry. It's because it's
2: pre-midterm election.
1: Yeah, <laughs> what are we going to do?
2: So I I hope
1: everyone has, uh,
2: has enjoyed
1: our second Comics One Hundred and One episode. Uh, we're right now on the forum. We're looking for more uh, suggestions for uh, for yeah. Comics One Hundred and One. We
2: figured out what our next one is, but yeah, I'm yeah. I think, I think
0: Tom may be doing a. I'm do a J-
2: uh, Justice J- Society of America one. Yeah,
0: so, I'm I'm excited about that. I want to know more about the Justice. I'm
3: excited so. about it. Oh, too. I'm sure you are. I don't are know you? anything about that. No, <laughs> oh, I'm uh, shush. Uh, I don't know anything about they're it. They're both visibly excited. Like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course they are sitting next <laughs> to each <laughs> other.
2: Right, we hugged folks. during the entire podcast, <laughs> It's
3: Not just for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. We Excuse have me, here.
3: I'm going to go read my copy of Psychoanalysis <laughs> <laughs> no, s- Seduction watch of the Innocence podcast.
0: Seduction of the Podcast uh,
1: Alright, uh, a couple announcements here I want to remind everyone to uh, help us out by spreading the Around Comics love You can take part of our Listener LCS Challenge uh, Details about that on the website You can also give us a dig at dig.com you can become our virtual friend at Comic Space, which is dub 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 ComicSpace dot com slash Around Comics. And my personal favorite, you can leave us a review at the iTunes Music Store. You can be as cool as Andy Parks, who I know is a big EC Comics fan.
3: Yeah. Sure. Well, who is uh, yeah. so, uh, Andy? Looks a little like the Crip Keeper, doesn't he? Oh no, I'm sorry. Andy <laughs> lost his hair. Yes. Oh. oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my Andy. God. ready leave it. Quick, edit that out. Uh, oh no.
2: Uh, there's also the watchman contest that's going on yes uh,
1: uh, who, watches the who, who watches the who watches the caters uh go to the the website for details and uh tom is giving uh, i've gotten, only
2: gotten four entries so far so you have a pretty What's good chance the first of week it. no i'm just saying i'm encouraging people to enter, enter because you, you have a, good, a very good chance of winning it's
0: a hundred dollar book isn't it or 75 75 it's the
2: retail price pricey if you live in a foreign country it's probably very hard to find <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Tom will ship it to wherever, wherever, wherever you are.
2: I'll meet you halfway. Oh
3: man!
2: Speaking of meeting us halfway, why don't you meet us halfway between here and the website? So why don't you <laughs> check out all the great things that <laughs> AroundComics.com has to offer? It's a, no, you know, great segue,
3: is that like, is yeah, it's the like the two best. feet closer to your computer? Where is that exactly? I <laughs> will
2: tell you what, it's, it's
3: your at re- it's,
1: it's at rest stop. 489 on the information Yourself. highway.
2: Meet me in northwest Indiana for porn and cheap cigarettes. <laughs> it's your source of the best in comic book news, reviews, and opinions. While you're there, please take a minute to fill out our listener survey. It lets us know who we're talking to and how we can make Around Comics a better show. If that was possible, I <laughs> have yeah. everyone. We are,
1: we are proud <laughs> members of the Comics Podcast Network. The CPN is a collection of some of the best comics podcasts on the net. You can learn more about the network and find out more more great podcasts at comicspodcast.com.
0: I did want to mention I will be posting uh, all the research stuff that we just read on the website with some additional information if you're interested in going over it all
3: again without my stumbling. Yeah, you can read it slower. Yeah, sorry, I was. Okay, I, was, tra- I, I, was know, I was trying worried, to keep you know. up with him. I could not even read as fast as he can talk. I'm telling you, you like he's reading
1: now. really fast. Reading fast. <laughs> I was like, that's a good uh, thing, Dory. That's good.
0: Just Why so, is everyone... he reading so fast? Oh, one more thing about the website I wanted to mention is that uh,
3: rules. If if you know, that, it really assume... wasn't fair to all our slower listeners. Really, I I don't know. You guys really ought to <laughs> think about these people. Our slower listeners are still
2: yeah. on episode 42. So <laughs> they uh, can take the LP
0: and play it at a slower speed. Um. Uh, I wanted to say, you know, uh, I'm always trying to make uh, advances. yeah, I'm always trying to make the website better, <laughs> but uh, don't assume that I know that there's a problem that if someone's <laughs> if you're experiencing a problem with the website, feel free to send me an email at sale at aroundcomics.com yeah if you hate
3: it, tell Sal well, I, no I, don't I,
2: I have a problem with the content. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> is that a mistake? No,
3: that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> is it your content,
0: Surely Tom? <laughs> technical errors. I know I've had at least a couple of people tell me they were having a problem with it with their browsers, yeah. but at this point I haven't been able to figure it out. But that I'm, picture
3: I'm, of me is not big enough, by the way.
0: Sorry, that splash. That, that <laughs> splash is on there. <laughs> he does kind of resemble you in some ways, but there yeah, you go. Yes, yeah. uh, there's anyway. D- smar- Dell
1: and R- ink, and he splash I see it. <laughs> but just Hillary so every leaves
0: Hillary leaves a stain everywhere
1: he goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's not ink.
2: <laughs>
0: Those damn sloppy joes. Uh just so everyone is aware, we post the next week the week's topic on Tuesdays at our comics.com
1: Yes. Uh I would like to thank everyone for joining us today. Sal, Tom, as always. Uh Mr. Barda, it is always a
3: pleasure to have you drop by. Yeah, you're just saying that. Thanks. No,
2: no. we don't know we don't know shit
3: about EC comics. <laughs> Actually, that history was informative even to me. And obviously I was there.
0: I, I would like to put a disclaimer out. It could be completely false, but I tried to do as much. Uh, Best
1: information that the internet could provide. So Max Gaines yeah, yeah. saved a young boy from well, rumor Well, rumor. Rumor. It rumor. Was,
0: it, some people state that, they, that that is what... But, okay. you know, who
3: knows? I don't know. I don't know for sure. That's. And then true. later his son corrupted the, the minds of small of, children. Of yeah. 10 million <laughs> children. <laughs> 10, million. The uh, 10 million juvenile delinquents. Well, yes. out everywhere. With
2: that, that hit comic called uh, Swimming af- Just After You Ate Magazine. <laughs> Blum- <laughs> (laughs) 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 I'm gloriously depicting
3: swimming immediately Oh yeah, I've got got a whole, I've got a mint collection of stomach cramp monthly. (laughs) Jesus. All
1: right, folks. Well, if uh, if you are interested at all in EC Comics, which we certainly hope that you are, uh, check back for our interview with Russ Cochran. We had a lot of fun with him. Um, After that, have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back again next Monday with another new episode. In the meantime, we'll be everywhere in... And Around Comics. Glorious
2: Divorce.
0: (laughs) If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com, or visit the contact us section of our website music for the show provided by the pod show pod music network music.podshow.com views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and do not reflect the opinions of around comics thank you for listening today and remember to join us next time and the panel will change but our mission will stay the same bringing you the very best news reviews and opinions in and around comics around comics is a pipe dream production Copyright 2006, all rights reserved.
4: Yeah. Why you got my love and left me alone Why you got my